0: Technology has a nature to it. Right. The nature to it is, you know, Emerson talks about it being aggressive. Right. And that uh, tools are, quote, reagents. Right. And so that they are not passive, but they elicit a response from you. They force you to respond. And Winner writes, attachment to apparatus not only requires that men behave in certain ways, but also gives them positive responsibility and criterion of performance they must meet. Quote, a man builds a fine house, now he has a master, and a task for life is to furnish, watch, show it, and keep it in repair the rest of his days. And this idea that I think is extending forward, right, that technology uh, results in you eventually having bondage to it, right? Betelheim, Bruno Bettelheim writes, whenever we introduced a new technological convenience, we had to examine its place in the life of our institution most carefully. The advantages we could enjoy from any new machine were always quite obvious. The bondage we entered by using it was much harder to assess and much more elusive. Often we were unaware of its negative effects until after long use. By then, we had come to rely on it so much that small disadvantages that came with the use of anyone contrivance seemed too trivial to warrant giving it up or to change the pattern we have fallen into by using it. Nevertheless, when combined with the many other small advantage- disadvantages of all the other devices, it added up to a significant and undesirable change in the pattern of our life and work, right? And, and so this is, I think, and also this is a sentiment that rhymes with it but it's different right this sentiment that we need to the sentiment that we need to plan how technologies are, are deployed right is i think correct right it's one we would agree with you know it's one that i think adheres to sort of a light ideal that we've talked about of like you know you don't need to build everything and everything that's built doesn't need to stay right but i think also there's the fact that they are condemned as, uh, as like anti-progressive, as Winter puts it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, these are thought to be enemies of progress, right? In Rizzo's parlance, The Romantic Fools, who uh, Winner describes as uh, trying to build a wall against inelectable forces of modernity, modernity right? Mm-hmm. And so what, the, what these people who dismiss the idea that you don't need to build everything then advocate for it, is that you need to accept... Then you're just going to be in bondage to certain technologies, right? And this brings us back to a right? This idea that, okay, technologies and techniques and techniques, they have very oppressive, larger, macro scale features that, that dictate the terms in which we can engage with them and the way we can structure reality. And so we just have to hand that to them. And we have to think about that uh, as we're trying to respond and or maybe organize our technological society, but that but that the reality is like they're uh, they're acting on us right they're disciplining us right they're the ones who are uh, placing rules they're placing expectations they're placing limitations they're helping establish institutions that dictate or guide how we're going to act right they're disciplining humanity and they're pro- and they're creating a process through which we're all you know dealt with and shaped into a different type of person hmm. and and this this, you know, one of them argues, uh, Thorsten Veblen argues, this is uh, the basis, right, for a new civilization, right? And this, I think, is also, this is hitting at that new metaphor, right? The new metaphor for order. You don't have the mechanistic society anymore, but you have the residue of humanity as a machine, or you have the residue of uh, machines being out there in the world already acting on us. And as a result, right, what really we need to be looking out for is the fact that if these, all right, so it follows that if these machines already are out there in the world and they're acting on us, then the machines or the mechanistic metaphor returns again. But in this This way, instead of being a natural part of the world, it's an unnatural part of the world that's forced upon us, right? Mm Because it's it's the new civilization that's going to discipline us, right? The Thorsten Veblen writes, you know, the machine discipline acts to disintegrate the institutional heritage of all all degrees of antiquity and authenticity, whether it be institutions that embody their principles of natural liberty or those that compromise the residue of more archaic principles of conduct still current in civilized life, right? Which is an interesting flip. Uh, going from saying okay, like the whole and the whole of of life and humanity is mechanistic, to saying oh no, this new mechanism is going to undermine everything that it means to be human, or it means to have a culture that is human, and and from this point onward will be technological, right? We're going to be dictated by techniques. We're going to be dictated by uh, servitude to the techniques. And we're going to be dictated by reaction to like these machines and the institutions they create and and the ways that they affect individuals and groups um, and organize us and structure us into ways that are only present in a technological society.
1: Mm. Yeah. And, And, you know, picking up from there, I also want to quickly just rewind back a minute. Uh, to bring up something that also came to mind, like you're talking about like this idea of the fatal accident, right? Like almost like a, like an anarcho-primitivist idea, right? That like, Uh, you know, as, as you were explaining, right, like human beings or human existence had achieved something of a golden age in which men were free and happy, but then occurred a fatal accident, right? Like, you know, I'm almost thinking of like the beginning of like 2001, a space odyssey with the obelisk, right? Like, like, you know, yeah, you know, that like touching the obelisk is when, you know, that that's what made monkeys into tool making men. Um, and then what is the first thing they did with those tools is fucking bashed each other's heads in, right? Like that was the fatal accident. It, it's a very interesting kind of like, like I said, like it strikes me as anarcho-primitivist in that way of like um, you know, we were living in, you know, we, we were doing of,
0: life, Yeah.
1: You know? Yeah, we were doing communization um but, you know previous to that 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 you know fatal discovery or invention. I also think about um you know one of my favorite passages from from Jean-Jacques Rousseau, who you mentioned, you know, a, a great uh, social and political philosopher, France, like uh, I think the 18th century around there. Um but uh in his in in one of his you know famous kind of tracks on philosophy called uh, Discourse on the Origin of Inequality. And Rousseau was, you know, like a proto-socialist kind of writer. Um, I, you know, I've returned to him uh, a lot to think about those kind of like beginnings of uh, of a kind of socialist philosophy. Um, anti-capitalist in a lot of ways as well, like at the very beginning of capitalism, already kind of seen the writing on the wall, but uh, he has this passage in the discourse on the origin of inequality that always jumps to my mind where he says, quote, the first man who having fenced in a piece of land and said, this is mine and found people naive enough to believe him, that man was the true founder of civil society. From how many crimes Wars and murders from how many horrors and misfortunes might not anyone have saved mankind by pulling up the stakes or filling in the filling up the ditch and crying to his fellows. Beware of listening to this imposter. You are undone if you once forget that the fruits of the earth belong to us all and the earth itself to nobody. Like, here he's telling an origin story for, you know, quote unquote modern society or civil society. But what he really means is, you know, um, capitalism and all the horrors that come from it is that, like, you know, there was just a dude who staked out a piece of land and said, yo, this, this, this is mine. Oh, I know we were sharing this, but like, but actually this is mine and stay off it or I'm going to kill your ass. Right. And then everybody
0: just went along with it. <laughs> And that is the man we have to. If I had a time machine, I'm killing that dude. You know, <laughs> you I'm, I'm gonna you kill got baby two. civilization
1: founder. <laughs> I was gonna say, you gonna kill baby Hitler, or are you gonna kill baby uh, property maker, or whatever?
0: <laughs> first, first, uh, first victim
1: in the time travel adventures of John and Ned. <laughs> <laughs> dude, now I'm imagining like a like a like a like a kids show. Uh, you know, kind of like a where in the world is Carmen Sandiego style, but it's like John, Ron,
0: and Ned just like Who going are we killing to destroy those timeline this th- week, kids? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just going up,
1: it's like it's like a mixture of uh, of like like, John Brown, Ned Ludd uh, meets, like, Howard Zinn and Carmen Sandiego. It's just, like, you're time traveling through the great atrocities of history and correcting them, mostly by, like, uh, <laughs> killing some dude. <laughs> I, I, I haven't watched Nickelodeon or the Disney Channel in a while, but, man, they've gotten pretty woke. Wait, wait, huh? <laughs> yeah, man, we <laughs> should actually pitch this to uh, Disney Plus. This is like they're trying to make all these woke shows, and uh, you know, like woke Gossip Girl. Fuck woke Gossip Girl. I need woke uh, time traveling adventures of John and Ned. <laughs>